Well, welcome to Life Church this weekend. I'm Aaron Cole, and as you can tell by the slide, I'm not uh, speaking today. We have a guest speaker, but I wanted to introduce our guest speaker. Uh, he's a friend of mine. Uh, we grew up about eight miles apart. Uh, he grew up on uh, in eastern Oklahoma. I grew up in western Arkansas. That'll make more sense in just a minute. And uh, but went to Bible college together. And uh, Marcus pastored some great churches in Tulsa, and then uh, also now in South uh, South Georgia. And uh, he's just one of those guys that. Um, Again, in ministry, you have a lot of acquaintances, you have a lot of people that you know, but you have very few people that are just um, colleagues and friends that you could call 1130 at night and say, hey man, what's going on? Or can call you on your stuff, if you know what I mean. And so Mark is one of those guys, and I have great respect for him. But you have to understand uh, a little bit of history, and, uh, and so I told him in introducing him, I was going to, I wanted to really give you a little background. Uh, because even though we grew up just a few miles apart, we, we grew up in, in two different worlds. And so, because uh, the town that I grew up in, Fort Smith, that's where he grew up in a town called Muldrow, Oklahoma. And Muldrow, people from Muldrow had to go, does that sound country to y'all or what? And to go from Muldrow, the people from Muldrow went to Fort Smith, the city where I lived, um, to go to the mall, out to eat, the movies, do anything civilized. And so to understand this, as I introduce him, to understand this, if you see the movie True Grit, it's set along the Arkansas River uh, in the town of Fort Smith. Matter of fact, let me take you back about 150 years, and, and uh, here's a clip from the movie right here. So that's it right there, beautiful Garrison Avenue, the end of the tracks, as you can literally see. Because the other side, it was called Fort Smith because there was a fort there, and it was the last bastion of civilization before you went into what's called Indian Territory. And uh, that's where the outlaws would go. Seriously, Judge Parker was a, was a federal judge, hung more people than, than, than any U.S. judge in the history of the United States of America, right there in Fort Smith, Arkansas. So what the outlaws would do is they would come through Fort Smith, and then they'd go across the Arkansas River, and they'd go into Indian Territory right there, because nobody would go that would uh, go after them. If you've seen the movie, Rooster Cogburn is one of the few people that will do that. And so the people in eastern Oklahoma, they're a little different. And uh, just so you know what that's like, this is kind of giving you a background on our guest speaker. It's people like this. Check this guy out. My name is Forrester. I practice dentistry in the nation, also veterinary arts, and medicine on those humans that will sit still for it. They have your work cut out for you there. So I just want to introduce to you a descendant of Mr. Forrester, his great-great-grandson, Mark Merrill, as he comes out. Would you give Mark a big hand as Mark comes and he brings the word? Well, welcome to Wisconsin. Okay. Yeah, I, you know, he'd warned me about the intro, and, uh, I, you know, I was trying to prepare a stampy comeback. He, he steals my thunder. 
He shows you the guy with the, the bear skin on his head. And I was going to say, you call him weird, I call him Papa, but he's already kind of went down that road. So anyway, it's great to be at Life Church. So glad to be here with my friends. As Aaron said, um, you know, as you go through ministry, uh, sometimes through the years it can be kind of a shallow thing. You know, you, you really develop more acquaintances than you do friends. And, and when I say friends, I'm talking about like on, on the level of Jonathan and David and, and those kind of covenant relationships that develop. But uh, God has blessed me in that Aaron is that kind of friend to me. He's one of my best friends in the whole world. And uh, to have that kind of covenant relationship, I'm so thankful to God for that. I just want to let you know, and it's a very biased opinion, but you have the greatest pastor in America, and I hope that you treasure he and Tammy as a gift. They're, they're my dearest friends. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me, please. Uh, book of Ephesians chapter 1. You know, Aaron's ripping on my people, and uh, that, that's, you know, that's pretty cold. And, uh, uh, but my people were really way ahead of their time. We, we were into reality shows long before anybody else was. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's called Hee Haw. It, it, it's just like the town I grew up in. And so, you know, we, we couldn't even find the humor in Hee Haw because it was so much like real life. I, 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 literally, I, I literally grew up in, in a town of 3,000, one stoplight. Uh, you know, some people have you know, major industries. Uh, ours was uh, marijuana, and crack cocaine, that's, that's the biggest industries in town, in the town that I grew up in, besides the local grocery store. And so it's just one of those things. But, uh, I, you know, Aaron is very sophisticated, and, uh, you know, we would go over to, to his town to enjoy all of the finer things of life. Uh, but it, it, if you go there, it, it, he's really from the armpit of sophistication. And so don't let him fool you. Well, it's, it's great to be here. I, I really appreciate this opportunity to share with you what I believe God's laid on my heart. I came with an intention to share with you really a message directed more toward where you're at as a church, the things that are just right ahead of you as you're moving forward with plans to build a building and to expand your ministry influence and outreach. I'm not sure if you're really prepared for all that God is going to do through this church as it grows and develops. I just want to prepare you that you're about to enter into a season where your influence in this region, the city, is going to skyrocket. Your ability to reach people is going to grow exponentially. You're going to experience a lot of things that you've not experienced at this point, and with that's going to come a lot of spiritual attack. I don't mean to be Debbie Downer, but I just want to tell you there's going to come some attack to your life. You're going to go through some things. There's going to be some things that are going to happen. And as you stay unified behind the purpose of God and, uh, and the man that God has placed uh, to lead you, I want to tell you that everything's going to work out great, and you're going to go to another level of ministry and influence in this city and this metropolitan area, and you're going to see great things for God. And I'm, I'm your biggest cheerleader. I've been able to be a, a firsthand witness to the things that God has done in this ministry through the years, and from time to time, I'm able to give uh, my two cents of, of consulting and talking about things and trying to help out where I can. But I just want you to know that uh, you've got a prayer partner and a cheerleader uh, down in Georgia that is rooting you on, that stands ready to help in any way I can, and uh, to be uh, a prayer support and encourager to your pastor uh, to see this vision fulfilled. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1, beginning to read in verse 12, in order that we who were first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth. Notice that phrase, the gospel of your salvation. And then notice those, those next two words, having believed. When you heard the word of truth, we believed. You were marked in him with a seal of the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance 
until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Father, I just want to thank you for Live Church. I want to thank you for the leadership here. I want to thank you for the vision they possess. I want to thank you for these people, Lord, that have given and sacrificed and supported and prayed. And Lord, and all the wonderful things that are happening in this ministry. God, I just pray that uh, you will use me as a channel to encourage the hearts of people who are here. Lord, to urge them and encourage them toward your voice in their life. And that, God, they could hear you and be led by you. Lord, one of the, the confirming evidences of your love is your leadership in our life. And God, how sad it would be for us to claim you in name only and never be led by your spirit. So I pray, God, that you will make that real to our hearts tonight as we hear this word, and that, God, you will speak from heaven to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. I want to share with you a message entitled, Can You Hear Me Now? The emphasis is upon the word now. Can you hear me now? One of the basic fundamental truths is that God is a communicative force. From the very beginning of creation, God has been communicating with his creation. We say when we were in Bible college, we learned that he is a self-disclosing God, meaning that he is allowing us to see parts of him. He is disclosing his nature, his power, his ways, his principles, so that we, his creation, can interact with him and walk with him in relationship. So understanding that the purpose of our creation was primarily for relationship with God and understanding also that communication is the lifeblood of relationship, be it a relationship with God, our spouse, our children, communication is the lifeblood of relationship. We then understand why God has gone to such extraordinary lengths to make himself known to us. The title of this message implies the now aspect of God's communication. I believe that all of us in this room that profess to be believers in Christ have at one time or another heard from God. We'll talk more about that later. But what I'm asking you is, have you heard from him now? Have you heard from him recently? What is God doing in your life? What is God's present activity in your heart? Is he leading you and speaking to you? Can you hear him now? You see, because the vibrancy of relationship with God is heavily dependent on our ability to hear from him and to remain open to his leadership and direction. And I believe that it is highly consequential to be able to walk with God and to hear him in the right now. One of the chief challenges that I go through as a pastor is the ability to hear God in the right now. I get pressured from all different sides or all kinds of people that are wanting to speak to me, to nudge me this direction or that direction in terms of leading God's people in the church. But it's imperative for me to be able to hear from God on a current basis to know the leadership and direction that he would employ into the church, not what I think, not what anybody else thinks, but what God would want for me and my life and my leadership in the church. And so I'm constantly going back to God and re-surrendering my life to him that he could speak to me and through me to provide leadership to the people he's entrusted to my life. And we find an example of this imperative in the word of God through the life of Abraham. Maybe your pastor has shared this with you. In fact, he was the one that kind of shared it with me. I went into research and looked more into this, and, and I thought it was really valuable to this message tonight. But in the, in the Old Testament, we find the example of Abraham and how Abraham was the father of faith, and he was someone who was led by the voice of God. From the very inception of his ministry, he heard the voice of the Lord and followed him by faith. And on one particular morning, God speaks to Abraham and say, take your son.
son, your only son Isaac, to the place called Mount Moriah, and there I want you to sacrifice him to me. Please understand, God had promised Abraham to be the father of many nations, and that Isaac was not only the fulfillment of the promise, he was the fulfillment of Abraham's dreams. He was his son. No doubt that is enough by itself, but he was also the fulfillment, the gateway to Abraham becoming the father of many nations. And, says, and God says to him, though I've given him to you, I want you to lay him on the altar and sacrifice him to me. And so they're going up the mountain, and you'll remember the classic line, Isaac looks at his dad, says, Dad, I see the wood, I see all the stuff for the sacrifice, but where's the lamb? I, I don't see the lamb to make the sacrifice. And Abraham speaks, God will provide for himself a lamb. He was confident in the leadership of God's voice in his life. And he gets there, and he lays Isaac on the altar, and he draws back his knife in obedience to what God had said to him in the moment. And as he begins to lower his knife, God speaks again. God's right now word superseded the previous directions that he had given Abraham. And in that moment, God speaks to him and he stays his hand and says, don't, don't do it. Don't kill the boy. And he provides for him a ram in the thicket. That, that might be the sacrifice. And he honors Abraham's obedience in that moment. What would have been the consequences had Abraham only gone on previous directions from God? What if in that moment he had neglected what God was trying to say in the moment? To defer back to what God had previously said, here's my point of application to you, is that God is speaking to us, and some of us are not hearing what God has to say because we're following directions that God gave us a month ago, six months ago, a year ago, or a decade ago. And I believe that God is ever wanting to disclose himself and reveal himself to us that we might be presently led in our life to fulfill God's plan for our lives. I must confess to you that I'm prepared that when I speak on a subject like the voice of God that many people automatically shut down on me. I would say there's a significant percentage of people in this room that when I begin to talk about God speaking, you just shut down on me. Because like me, you have become somewhat cynical and jaded concerning the reality of God's ability to speak in the present day. Some of my jaded nature came from my own church upbringing. Again, you saw a picture of my pastor in the bearskin outfit earlier, but uh, it, was, it was a little bit antiquated. And I, li- I grew up in a church that was highly emotional and w- that was excessive in some of its practices. I can remember the first time that I went into the church that, that I grew up in. Uh, there was a woman there that in the middle of the service Literally, in the middle of the music playing, she gets up, and she begins jumping up and down. She begins going back and forth, back and forth, and she literally takes off running around the church, okay? First time I've ever been in this church. She takes off running around the church. And as she is running around the church, she has her hands down like this, and she's waving them back and forth, okay? Okay, seriously, I I mean, I I might as well have seen, seen a ghost, but it gets worse. She's running with her eyes closed, and she's making these laps around the church. And I'm sitting back there in the very back where where the young people sit, and I'm sitting on the very end of the end of the row. And she's running. I'm noticing she's running with her eyes closed, which I, I found to be particularly odd. And as she came around the corner, she cut the corner a little bit close, and with her hand slapped me in the face as I'm sitting there on the pew. Do you understand the therapy that I need right now and how jaded I became? So, you know, when people begin to talk saying God said or God told them to do certain things or God, I mean, I was a little bit skeptical and cynical because of that's, that's my upbringing, that's my background. 
But, but can I tell you that God has redeemed himself and in my life many, many times by authentically speaking into my heart and letting me know that he is alive, he is an ever-present help in time of trouble, that he is there to lead me and guide me and direct me regardless of what my tradition or my experiences or my background has revealed to me. And so today I want to break down this subject that has been made very mystical in a very practical way that conveys the absolute need that we have in our lives to hear from God in a way that is always supernatural but yet always understandable and practical. So I'm going to begin with a question. Why is it important to hear from God? Why is it important to hear from God? I mean, what's the big deal about hearing from God? Well, the first thing that's important is it's the only way to be saved. Do you realize the only way for you to be saved is to hear from God? You know, I've been dealing with people for 20 years in ministry, and a lot of times people say this to me. They say, Pastor, I have never heard God speak to me in my life. And I say to them, are you serious? You've never heard God speak to you? And I, and I realize what they're saying in that moment. God has never spoken to them in the mystical, dramatic way that I was led to believe that, that God spoke in in the way that I was raised in my home church. But God had spoken to them. I have asked them, are you in Christ? yes. Is Christ in you? Yes. Then I want to tell you there's good news. God has spoken to you because the only way that you can be saved is for God by his Holy Spirit to speak into your life, to draw you to himself so that you could realize your personal need of him and be saved. The theme passage I read for you to, uh, today says in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 12 through 14 that when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed, you were marked with a seal. So we hear the word of truth, it causes us to believe, and because that God does a spiritual work in our life, it is the initiated voice of God in our lives that changes us and transforms us for time and eternity. John 10, 14 says, I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. So when we receive impressions to our heart, it's a reminder that we are bound together in relationship to one who has greater power, greater wisdom, and greater knowledge than we do. The other reason why it's important to hear from God is that it protects us from mistakes. I want you to know that I've been protected so many times from the voice of God. I can remember on one particular instance, I'm driving, and I have a reputation for driving quite fast. Uh, my right foot is the last part of me to be saved, and so God's still working on that part. And so I had the sense to really drive fast, and I, I was driving at a really high rate of speed. I, I'm ashamed to tell you how fast I was driving, but let's just say it was considerably more than the speed limit in the particular state I was driving. And I was driving down the road, and I was coming up on a, a semi. And on this semi, it had open cargo. And uh, so I was coming up behind this, and I'm, I'm, I'm following behind, and I feel this voice nudge me on the inside that says, get over into the other lane. And I'm thinking to myself, why am, I, why am I sensing this in my heart? And the voice comes again, well, get over in the other lane. And so... I've literally pulled over to the next lane in response to the voice inside my heart. And literally, just as I got over into the other lane, a strap came loose in the semi ahead of me, and the cargo began tumbling right where I was at in that lane. Had I not listened to that voice inside of me, my life would have been taken in that moment. 
God's voice was protecting me in that moment, urging me, nudging me in a very simplistic, still voice to be protected in that moment, to, to, to perceive his ways. In Job chapter 33, verses 14 through 18, the Bible says, for God does speak. Now one way, now another, though man may not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on men as they slumber in their beds, he may speak in their ears and terrify them with warnings. To turn man from wrongdoing and keep him from pride, to preserve his soul from the pit, his life from perishing by the sword. So Job says, God speaks in a variety of ways. He'll speak this way, he'll speak another way. But he does so in order to give us warnings in our heart to protect us from wrongdoing, from personal sin, to keep us from personal pride. He protects us from ourselves to preserve our soul from the pit, from our lives, from perishing by the sword, from danger that may be coming our way. God's voice is an operative force in our life to protect us from making mistakes. There have been many times in my ministry when I have felt a check, I don't don't know if you understand that language, a check in my spirit revealing a decision or a person that I was engaged in, something that just wasn't quite right. Maybe I was about to hire a staff member or I was about to make a major decision as it related to the ministry of the the church and God spoke to me in that moment and gave me just a pause, a hesitation in my heart. When I have regarded those things, Time has revealed the wisdom of God's leadership in my life. When I have failed to recognize those things and respect and reverence the check in my heart, I have suffered the consequences of making horrible decisions that negatively impacted me and the ministry that I lead. You see, there is a price to disregarding the voice of God in our lives. So when I was growing up in the the church in Muldrow, Uh, there was a little elderly woman that came to me upon learning that I was called into the ministry. And she said to me, Mark, there's something I think that you need to know that has helped me throughout my life. And she said, the principle is this, do not violate the peace. If you ever go to make a decision, if you ever try to decide something in your life and you don't feel right about it, Mark, don't do it because you're in Christ and Christ is in you and God will protect you by urging you inside your heart to recognize the peace of God or the lack of peace that you may feel about a particular matter. And as I've allowed that principle to be applied to my life through the years, it has saved me a great deal of heartache as I've tried to honor the peace of God in my life. So we see that uh, there's importance of the voice of God in our life. But the next thing is, how does God speak to us today? Well, God has always used a variety of ways to speak to his people. To Moses, he used a burning bush. To Joseph, a dream. Mary was spoken to by an angel. The children of Israel, a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. Uh, We see that Pharaoh was spoken to through plagues. And God today used a variety of things in order to get our attention and to speak to us in our life. There are two things I really want to talk to you about in ways in which God speaks to me in my life. The first is through the Bible. I believe the Bible is the peak, the the uh, pinnacle, the primary manner by which God gives me revelation in my life is God's compiled thoughts and principles are in my hand through the word of God and I read through the scripture, God speaks to me through these things. It is the ultimate revelation. It is the revelation by which I judge all other forms of revelation in my life. As a pastor, and I don't know if Pastor Aaron goes through this or not, sometimes I have people come to me and say, hey, Pastor, God told me to tell you something. And I'm like, I'm just waiting for it, you know. And they begin to share with me what they feel like God told them to tell me. 
And regardless of what they say or how dynamic or supernatural it may seem, I always compare it with the word of God and say, God, what does your word say? Because if it does not find verification and confirmation in the word of God, I disregard it immediately in my life. Second Timothy 3.16 says, every part of scripture is God-breathed and is useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the word, we are put together and shaped up for the tasks God has for us. God is using his word to form us. And I found the most critical times in my life, God has spoken to me through his word. About this time last year, I was having some health problems, and I was having a recurring pain in my side, my right side, and I went to see my doctor, and the doctor sent me for tests, and I had my gallbladder checked for gallstones, and they didn't find any gallstones to the ultrasound. They sent me on to a HIDA test and said, well, it's kind of borderline, but I was having this recurring pain, and I called the doctor and said, well, you know, have you got the test results? And said, yeah, Mark, we're going to call you today, but uh, we need you to come in. We need to talk. And I immediately got scared. And so I went in, and, and the doctor said, Mark, you don't have gallstones, but when we were doing the ultrasound, we, we found a rather large tumor uh, above your right kidney on your adrenal gland. And uh, we typically judge this in size, anything three centimeters or less, it's typically benign. Anything more than three centimeters, it's typically malignant. And yours is six centimeters. And uh, we have two concerns. It's either grown down into your kidney or it's grown up into your pancreas and liver. And uh, we, need to, we need to get after this right away. This is very serious. Well, I, I'm a bit of a hypochondriac by nature anyway. <laughs> and uh, so when the, the, when the doctor used the C word on me, I mean, I, I'm telling you, I was messed up. I called Aaron. I couldn't think. I couldn't process. I, I had to get up in front of my church and preach and act like everything was cool and everything was all right. But literally, I would, I would preach. I would do my part. I would go home. I'd sit on the couch like a zombie. And I was like, I, I, I was just literally shutting down. And so I started going through all this tests, very specialized blood tests and tests on my kidneys and all these sorts of things. And the culmination of my testing resulted in a CAT scan. And uh, so before I went into the CAT scan, I was sitting in my office and I was finding it hard to work. I just couldn't concentrate. Anxiety was taking me over. And so I was literally there and I was listening to, to praise and worship music all the time and that wasn't doing it. And most of the stuff on Christian radio was depressing me even further. And uh, so, you know, I was like, man, I just can't, I can't find any help. I was talking to people and, you know, they were, they were giving me mixed messages and that was like messing me up. So, um, I, I literally did this. I, I, I don't recommend this, but I went to the Bible and I opened it up and I went like that. And I you know, went to read because I, mean, I, I couldn't commit to the normal Bible study that I had because I just didn't have brain power. And I literally put my finger down in the Psalms and I began to read. And as I began to read from the Psalms, God used it that day. And I began to read and I began to read about how powerful God was and how God can work signs and wonders and miracles and how God can restore his people even from the hands of death. And I mean, I'm gonna read this. Man, I'm starting to cry. I'm, I'm not really an emotional person, but I'm, I'm really crying and I'm praying. And I mean, it's sparking uh, like, like jubilant praise out of my heart. I mean, I, I'm sure my staff thought I'd fallen off the turnip truck. But I, I mean, I'm like in there like, praise the Lord. You know, I was reading these scriptures and I, and I I'm feeling faith building in me. And I called my wife and I said, I know I've been horrible to live with, but I, I feel faith coming alive in me. I believe God's doing something. I'm not sure, but I think he's doing something. I think he's really spoken to me out of the scripture. And I went in three days later and I went in, in that tube of that CAT scan, CT scan. And the first indication was the little technician said, who told you that you had adrenal cancer? And I said, well, my doctor and it's four other doctors have looked at it. 
And so I went through the test. The next morning, before I even woke up, my doctor called me and said, Pastor Merrill, we're so sorry we put you through this. We're not sure how to explain this. But that tumor that we saw from four different doctors is gone completely. We can find no trace of it. What I want to say to you, friends, is that we serve a God of power, a God who communicates, a God who will walk with us, a God who will help us. And as we begin to get into his word, his word will begin to get inside of us and give us the comfort and strength that we need. So God's word speaks to us. But how do we know when God speaks? How do we know when it's the Lord? I've always struggled with this in my life. In fact, I've come to a place in serving God where I have a bit of a quandary. I have found that there's a correlation between my chronological age and experience and the ease by which I hear the voice of God. For example, when I met Pastor Aaron in Bible college, man, I was radical. I was, you know, ready to win the world for Jesus Christ. I, I was wanting to go plant a church one inch from the gates of hell and just, you know, charge hell with a water pistol and all this stuff. And uh, I was I was fired up. And so when God would speak to me, man, boom, I was ready to do it. And I didn't question and I didn't play these mental games. I was just ready to follow the voice of God. But now I've been through some stuff. I've been through some pain. I've been ran over a couple of times. And now when God speaks to me, it's really hard for me to discern sometimes of whether it's God or not. And I think that we all go through this, that the older we get in Christ and the older we live on this earth, the more cynicism begins to fill our heart because this world has a way of making us jaded. And I struggle with this in my life. So there's a necessity to tune in. Whether you realize or not, there are waves passing through this building right now and you don't even realize it. All you hear is me speaking to you, but right now there are AM waves, FM waves. There's waves that come from Wi-Fi that's coming through this room, short wave. There's all kinds of stuff moving through this room that you can't see, that you can't tune into by your own human means. And sometimes that's the way it is in life. We're hearing what our mom or our dad has to say. We hear what our husband or wife has to say. We hear what our employer says and the news says and the experts say. And yet God wants us to move past all of that and to begin to tune in at the level of the Spirit to hear what God is saying. And that's not weird. That's not mystical. That's not spooky. It's biblical. The Bible says, let him who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He's not talking about these ears, these floppy ones like I have on my head. He's talking about the ears of our heart, our spirit, hearing what God has to say. So whenever God speaks, there's always three possibilities. It could be me. It could be God. It could be the devil. Could be me. I'm, well, I'll tell you, it could be me. I could write you a book on how it could be me and all the crazy things I've said to myself through the years. But it could be God. It could be the Lord trying to communicate something to you in your life that you need to hear, and then it could be the enemy trying to bring confusion in your life. So we have an obligation to test this, and I'm going to give you a number of tests, about six or seven things real fast to help you know where the voice of God comes from and when it happens in our life. Number one, does it agree with the Bible? Does it agree with the Bible? If it doesn't agree with the Bible, throw it out. I don't care if an angel comes down and you have coffee with an angel and the angel says, I want you to go out and do this and thus and so. The Bible says that if any other gospel is preached to you, even if it comes from an angel, if it contradicts this scripture, throw it out, disregard it. It is not of me. Number two, does that word make me more like Jesus Christ? Whatever God speaks to us in our life is intended to make us more like him. God is not so much concerned about your comfort as he is your character. 
And so God will want to speak something that will make you more like him. Number three, does my church family confirm it? Proverbs 11, 9 from the message, the loose tongue of the godless spreads destruction. The common sense of the godly preserves them. There's common sense here. There is safety in this local church of which you're a part. You have pastors that are called by God. You have a a place that's prayed over and prepared for you each and every week. And when you come in here, this is an avenue for God to speak in your life. Never make this a social thing. Never make this just a place to come in and to network with business people in the community. Make this a place where you can come in and hear the voice of God because God will speak to you through this local church. Number four, is it consistent with how God God made me. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God created us, and he has a plan in advance for what we are to become. And all of us have a shape. I'm not talking about skinny, heavy, frumpy like me. Uh, I'm not talking about pear-shaped. I'm not talking about body shape. All of us spiritually are shaped a certain way. What does that shape stand for? S is spiritual gifts, H is heart, A is abilities, P is personality, E is experience. God takes all those things and it makes us who we are. That's the shape that we are in. And typically, I I know the Holy Spirit can do anything, but however, when a person is left to themselves, they generally revert back to their shape. So if God created you and you're more introverted than you are extroverted, and you have this dream in the middle of the night that you're to, to get up to speak to millions of people, and you've never spoken to anybody, and you don't like speaking to people, and you don't like engaging in a public persona, well, maybe that really wasn't what God was trying to say. Maybe God's trying to direct you in another way, because God typically will speak to us in relationship to the way he has formed us. Number five, do I sense peace about it? Colossians 3.15 says this, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule. What does that word rule mean? It means to make the call like an umpire. You go to a brewer's game, guys sitting there right behind the catcher, they throw a ball, strike, ball, ball or strike. He makes the call. He judges what needs to happen in the moment. In the same way, the Holy Spirit makes the call in our lives by giving us peace. Peace becomes the indicator for what we should do. Number seven, excuse me, number six, the things that you feel in your heart, is it convicting rather than condemning? I want you to know something. When God speaks to you in your life, God is never scary. I tell my church this all the time. God is not weird. We are. We're the ones that make God weird. I mean, we make him all spooky and woo. No, God's not like that. God is practical. God is personal. God is comforting. God is never scary. God always offers solutions. If you're wanting to know whether God's speaking to you, Typically, God's word in you helps to bring about a solution to a problem in your life. It does not create more confusion in you. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, the Bible says. Also, I found God does not attack our self-worth when he speaks to us. Now, I grew up with a really tough dad. I mean, everybody say rough. Say harsh. I mean, dad, oh, no, don't say it like Medea. <laughs> harsh. My, 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 my southern was coming through. My dad was harsh. He was a guy that was an extreme disciplinarian. So when my dad gone to me, he would literally systematically tear me apart. But God has never done that to me. Sometimes I can do some of the goofiest stuff. I know you guys are way past that in your walk with God, but I do goofy stuff. And when I do goofy stuff, I will say things like this to me inside my head. Mark, you doofus. You doofus. What'd you do that for? 
Mark, are you stupid? That's what my little voice inside my head says. You know, God's never called me stupid. God's never called me doofus. God has said to me, Mark, you've made a mistake. You've done wrong. But Mark, I love you. You're still called. I have a plan for you. And Mark, I want to use you to glorify my name. God always deals with me at a level that affirms me and does not attack me. That helps me to know how God speaks in my life and when he speaks in my life. I want to invite you to stand, please, all across this place. I realize that many of you are dealing with situations in your life where you may need to hear from God. You may need to hear from God right now, today, this moment, concerning things that you're facing in your life. Maybe it's a problem in your marriage. Maybe it's a job situation that you're dealing with. Maybe you have to make a strategic decision about your finances or your personal health, and you are struggling with the right decision to make. Can I encourage you that God wants to communicate with you? God wants to talk to you. He doesn't want to be weird or spooky or harsh or any of those things. God wants to be very practical to talk to you at the level of your spirit and to communicate his love to you. As I begin to pray, if you're needing that direction from God in your life, I just want to invite you to lift your hands just saying, God, I'm open. I'm open to what you'd say to me right now, and I'm going to pray for you. Lord, today I lift my hands. I lift my hands and surrender to you, Lord, and say, Lord, speak to me right now. Speak in my heart. God, there's always something I'm needing direction for, so God, speak to me. And Lord, as there are people all across this place with their hands lifted, Lord, they're just demonstrating a need for your voice in their life. So Holy Spirit, come and speak to them. Lord, I pray that you'd build them up and not tear them down that, God, you would heal their broken hearts, that, God, you would give them direction in the midst of their pain, that, God, you would give them clarity in the midst of their adversity, that they will know your voice and be led by you. God, you lead us into good things. You lead us into blessing. You lead us into peace. You lead us into favor. And I pray that you will do those things for my friend right now who is surrendering themselves to you. God, we thank you for your leadership in our life and the ministry of the Holy Spirit that brings about your character and nature in our life. We thank you, Lord, for your voice that's speaking right now. In Jesus' name, amen.